Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. All right, this is 4 to 6 with A&B. This is Bill Landis. Ari Wasserman's on the other line. Ari, the, the ground is shaking beneath our feet. College football, as we know it, is transforming. Tate Martell has transferred to UNLV. Yeah, that's what I – I was afraid you were going to start with conference realignment. And I was just like, do you realize we're having Tate realignment? <laughs> like, the only uh, realignment I care about is Tate Martell going to UNLV. He posted a video a while back of him squatting like 400 pounds with one leg. Uh I don't know. I will be paying attention to that. I know people might not care, but I will be paying, especially if he ever plays, I will be watching. Yeah, 100%. Plus, it works out great. Like, all his games, well, Ohio State plays a bunch of night games, maybe not, but like, he'll be on late night when when I'm done writing Ohio State stories. The thing, I tweeted this on uh, Monday night, or no, Sunday night, and uh, so he's in the same league now as Nick Starkle, who is the he's ass my dude guy. Uh, they play each other on October 23rd, UNLV versus San Jose State. And like, if Tate Martell won, if Tate Martell's not the starting quarterback for UNLV by then, I will be, I will just be a puddle of a human. I'll be destroyed. I need to see that game. <laughs> Wait, and two, well, ESPN's going to play- be getting the main rights for the night game in that one, so it's, they're uh, banking on it. Ohio State plays Indiana that day, and that better be a noon game because I need to be in my hotel room in Bloomington, Indiana, with a pizza by my side, watching Tate Martell versus Nick Starkle. That's erotic. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Um, I've, I've written fan fiction that's not too far off of what I just described. <laughs> well, um, we'll get back into Tate Martell a uh, hundred times in the next six months, probably. But uh, you had a a question, I think, that we were just going to base this podcast off of, and I'm going to try my best to play devil's advocate. I did. Uh, so, Big Ten Media Days were, were at the end of the last week. Um, when I was there in Indianapolis, and I, I we'll talk about some of the takeaways from that. I think at, at the latter part of the show, and also kind of set you up for Ohio State training camp, which starts uh, next week, opens on August third. But obviously, the college football world is in a tizzy right now because Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the Big Twelve. Uh, as we record this on Monday morning, afternoon ish, uh, they have in, uh, informed the Big Twelve that they will not be uh, extending the grant of rights agreement, which is basically like we're leaving. See you later. Um, when that happens, I don't know, but when it does happen, the thought is that they'll go to the SEC. And obviously, it's a huge deal for the sport. I don't want to dismiss that fact. It is a colossal deal that two of the biggest brands in the sport are going to the best conference in the sport. But this is an Ohio State podcast. So my question to you, Ari, is this. Let's pretend that I'm an Ohio State fan. Go Bucks. Why? Go Bucks. Number one, go Bucks. Number two, why should I care about Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC? So one of our, our editor, Mitch Light, sent me a message and saying, is there a recruiting column about Ohio State in this conference expansion and how it might be different for them? And I said, no. <laughs> so maybe I'm not doing a, I'm not doing a, I guess you could really make a stretch and say it'll be harder for them to recruit Texas now. That's like the only thing that I can think of. But even then, I think it's a stretch. Yeah. Um, here's why I would care. Here's why I care as a general consumer of the sport. It's not so much just the idea that Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. 
it's the domino effects it's going to cause and what might be expansion for Ohio State's conference. Mm-hmm. So in a world where the playoff wasn't being expanded and it was a four-team playoff still, and you had other teams going to the SEC, you could draw parallels between Ohio State's chances of making the playoff now that Oklahoma and Texas are in that SEC if it turns out that way. Um, you know, comparing one-loss records and, you know, are three teams from the SEC going to get in? Is it harder to get in? But now that there's an expanded playoff, it makes it easier for Ohio State to get in because now there's one less conference champion that you have to worry about, and there's 12 spots. It's just like, as it pertains to Ohio State winning a national championship, which is the only thing people care about, it don't it doesn't change anything. And saying that it does would be disingenuous to our listeners. But the thing now is, and I and I was on the show with Andy Staples coming into this week, and he had a proposal that the Big Ten should absorb some Pac-12 teams. Mm-hmm. And if you start getting into that world, then it impacts Ohio State directly because the Big Ten, I think, is the second – it's the number one moneymaker in college football, right? Uh, Jim now. Delaney yeah. was a genius for now. SEC is probably going to pass that if they add two of the top ten brands in the sport to what is already a pretty ridiculous league. But the Big Ten's in good position. So I think the question now is how is the Big Ten going to react? Um, is there a world where in five years USC, uh, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal are in the conference? Um, and what would that mean for Ohio State? Um, and even in that world, in a 12-team playoff, Ohio State could finish second to Pete Carroll's USC if that ever returns and still get in. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a hard sell. And Ohio State has been such a steadfast proponent of Big Ten football um, they haven't behaved like Texas in any way. There's no threatening. They don't plan to leave. They're in a pretty good position financially. And they are certainly one of the five brands in college football that could shift the paradigm. But as it pertains to what Ohio State is in terms of positioning, I don't know that we can say it's much of a change at all based on the information that's at hand as we record on Monday, July 26. But if the Big Ten expands and then we get into this weird Super League world where there's two conferences that have 20 teams and a bunch of other conferences that don't really have much of anything. It's still like really hard to wrap my head around because there's a 12 team playoff coming. And if that happens, then it's just like the 12 best teams will get in. And it's just like, I don't even understand the point of conferences other than TV deals. Right. And I, I don't really, I don't really know if fans care about TV deals. I don't think they do. Yeah. Cause it, that, that's like an industry it, it, thing. Yeah. It, it, it matters because the amount of money that your program gets has a direct Im, uh, impact on your program, the recruiting budget, and all the things that go along with creating an elite-level program. But Ohio State's got more money than God, and I, I just don't know. I, I think that in this podcast and in this world of covering Ohio State with you for the past you know, 7, 10 years, we've constantly been trying to figure out what could change to make Ohio state in a worse position than it's currently in right now. And you could try your best to go down the line with this conference expansion stuff and and come up with the reasons for it. But I just keep coming to dead ends there. It's like, I think that you could make the case even more so than Alabama, that Ohio state is the most sturdy program in college football because Alabama's current positioning, I think has a lot to do with their, their head coach, whereas Ohio state's is more circumstance based. So, and yeah. I think you can make an argument about that because Alabama has as much talent as as Ohio does, but also it has Auburn. So, like, there's different angles here. Like, what if the what if Cincinnati's in the Big Twelve now, or what if which um, is something we explored a few years ago? Remember, you and I went down there, but yeah. they played Houston, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it still doesn't. doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, I mean, it would be good for Cincinnati. I think teams like Cincinnati, UCF, and SMU, and some of these like brands from the AAC that. Um, want to be in the playoff discussion and have been in the playoff discussion have benefited greatly from the door opening, but I don't think that door opened before conference expansion became a topic. Right. You know, once that door opened into the playoff, you know, you can make a case that, you know, Cincinnati, who probably hates that they weren't considered for the playoff last year, has an easier path into the new playoff than Penn State does. I can get on board with that, I think. The, 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 the thing that initially crossed my mind was like, okay, well, cl- clearly – the SEC is adding Texas and Oklahoma, number one, with an eye toward in, increased uh, media rights revenue. That's the thing that's dominating all this. But also, they're going to be able to get more teams in the playoffs, playoff, I think, theoretically. And would that perhaps take a spot away from a Big Ten team? And I just don't like – even even if, like, 
four SEC teams get into the playoff every year, which one like could have been the case even without Texas and Oklahoma being at it. I still think there's a, I still think Big Ten is going to put two teams in the expanded playoff more often than not. So I, I don't even think that's a valid concern. I do think you're right that like it will even if it's six. Even if it's six, yeah, right. Even if because it's six. because you have to you have to take into account that the Big Twelve probably won't now. Or I guess the Big Twelve, the the expanded Big Twelve. We don't even know if the Big Twelve is going to exist. Whatever anymore. the whatever that fifth autonomy conference is, some some Frankenstein version of the AAC and the Big Twelve, I think is most likely. Because like in a world where the Big Ten takes four teams from the Pac twelve, you could see a conference connecting between the leftovers of the Pac twelve and the leftovers of the Big Twelve. Yep. And it's like then, what's your perennial power of that conference going to be? Arizona State and Oklahoma State. You know, what's and it's up? just like. You know, so if Oklahoma or Texas takes a spot out of the SEC, you're still going to have an extra spot left over for whatever team. And, and granted, conference champions will get in. But how it pertains specifically to Ohio State, I think Ohio State would have to lose three or four games to not get in. And it's like, what's going to happen in the shift of conferences that's going to make Ohio State do that? And the problem, too, here is is that usually when we're talking about expansion, we're talking about Maryland and Rutgers. And right now we're talking about two of the biggest brands in the sport, so it's kind of making more waves. And and this is a for sure deservedly very, so, yeah. <clears throat> but there's nobody left now. It's like USC, I guess, is a cool brand if that were to happen. And I know that there's some buzz on Twitter right now about Pac-12 and and Big Ten discussions. And I don't know if Andy created that or if that's actually what's happening. But even if Ohio State got matched up in a conference with USC and Oregon. That would be that would make waves, but that's like the best case scenario because Notre Dame doesn't isn't ha- it's not happening. Why would Notre Dame join a conference now? Right, they're they're not, they're not going to. And even if they did, I think they would join the ACC before they joined the Big Ten. They have more in common with ACC schools than Big Ten schools, right? Yeah, yeah. Private university um, number one, but yeah, because there's a lot of private universities in the ACC. Yeah, and I think there's only one in the Big Ten, Northwestern. I think that's right. Yeah, um, I, I yeah, read somewhere I on think, Twitter that the Big Ten would be interested in the California schools, but it's like I'd be much more interested in Oregon and USC. If I were the Big Ten, I would I would be more interested in Oregon and USC too. Um, maybe Washington, um, but I just don't understand now. Like we're transcending ge- geography. And it's oh like, yeah, geography doesn't exist. This is like Jim, Jim Delaney's manifest destiny of the coast to coast Big Ten conference is, is coming to fruition. Because I do think I think the Big Ten could stand pat and be pretty okay. I don't think it's going to, and I think a lot of what's – I didn't sense – there were a lot of questions asked about it at Big Ten Media Days, and I don't think a lot of substantial answers about it. And the Big Ten I don't think is going to show its hand publicly like that. But I think part of that is just sort of like FOMO and like the idea that like the SEC is creating waves in the sport and the Big Ten I think would want to steal some of that back for itself. So like the Big Ten like, – I don't think the Big Ten could do anything that would – shake the sport up like what the SEC is doing, but it can add teams. But what's the reason for that? Teams. Like, like, is it competitive? Is it competitiveness from fans wanting to say their conference is better? Because as it yeah. pertains to how it actually impacts, when the dust settles, how it impacts Ohio State, aside from saying that our conference is just as good as the SEC's, which isn't even something that you could have said yesterday or last week or a month ago, what's, once that passes, you're left with what that means for your school. Right. And even then, I don't know. You have they're playing Oregon already, you know. So right, it, it's yeah. just I'm just trying to wrap my head around a Big Ten game USC at Rutgers, you know. Like if that happens, oh, then what's gross. the purpose of the conference? <laughs> That's gross. Uh, yeah, the purpose of the conference, I guess, would be for the group of schools to to make consolidate money. and sell its media rights as as one yeah. entity, but. Because um, it's like the the idea of college football, college football has been trending toward national sport more so than it ever has in its history. College football is a regional sport at its roots. You've got these conferences, and I think like the SEC chance that you hear at at games is rooted in Southern pride or, or that area of the country. You yeah. know, and Pac twelve is a West Coast thing, and the Big Ten is a Midwest and I guess to a certain extent, East Coast team thing. And ACC is the Atlantic Coast. And now that these these names don't even make sense anymore. Oh, they haven't made sense for quite some time. Yeah. The Big, the big Ten with uh, 
16 teams, four of which are based uh, in California and Oregon and Washington. Yeah. That won't make much sense. I don't know. Like, it's still... I can't figure out if this makes it... If it's, like, means this is, like, going back to being more regional because of this. Like, because with, with, like, Texas and Oklahoma, like, I don't really consider them the South, but they clearly are geographically I live in Dallas, and I still don't know where I live. Yeah, it's, like, its own thing. Is it um, Southwest or South? Like, neither, but both at the same time. <laughs> it's like, when you live in Ohio, you can say, I'm from the Midwest. Right. If you live in Texas, what do you say you're from? Just, oh, I guess what, if you talk to the people here, you're from the country of Texas. You're from the country of Texas, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know, like, there's a lot of consolidation like Oklahoma? power in the South now with this. Is Oklahoma, Oklahoma the Midlands? The breadbasket, Is Midlands maybe. a thing? With this country, the backbone of this country, the breadbasket? Yeah. I. Uh, but yeah, as far as as it concerns Ohio State, I don't know that I can make you care. The only thing uh, I can other think than, of is this, other like, than the like, soap opera that it's become for pure entertainment purposes. It's not that, yeah, it's not that I don't think it's worth monitoring. And like, if you care about college football, like I think you should be paying attention to this. But if you just care about Ohio State, I don't think it changes much for Ohio State unless you just like want Ohio State to join the SEC, which isn't going to happen. Um, but I don't know why you would want that. Like, I think as as I think there might be some nerves here about like the recruit recruiting implications of this. And like, I, I just, I have a hard time seeing them because I still think Ohio state's going to be able to recruit Texas just as much as it has in the past. And let's say for example, like Ohio state or the big 10 does add West coast based teams. Like that's going to help Ohio state. Cause now all those kids that they get from California and Washington, they can like now tell them like, Oh, by the way, we're going to play in your home like every other year too. Here's the angst. I think it's the other way, Landis. I think it's, People are afraid that Ohio State, as this big brand who is competing for national championships every year, is going to be left out of the super conference that gets most of the attention. Well, one, it's not a super conference because it still like includes like Vanderbilt and Missouri and Kentucky and all that. It's like it's not. It's the best conference. It's not a super conference. And if a super, I mean, adding those two, adding those two brands is about as as close to it's as close to it as as we've been, but it's still not that. And if that ever happened, there's no shot in hell Ohio State gets left, uh, left left without a seat at the table. Like you don't you start with Ohio State when you build a super conference, a national yeah. super conference like the soccer thing that got shut down a couple. It's just ago. it's the, the hard the hardest thing is envisioning what the end goal here is, because right now the end goal for all of this is to make the most money possible for the schools that are involved, right? But mm-hmm. what does it mean? There's two different discussions here. It's what does it mean from a financial standpoint for the schools that are involved, which nobody cares about because all they care about is watching the games and rooting for their school. And the other part is what does this mean for the sport as a whole, as a fan, from a fan perspective, what does this mean about watching college football on Saturdays and consuming my favorite team? Yeah. And right now what this means for the fan standpoint in the sec is that Oklahoma and Texas might have a schedule that has Florida, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Oklahoma, Texas on their schedule. Great. So it's Texas like that would be amazing. stinks and has stunk for a decade and can't win the Big 12 is now going to go to a harder conference and stink more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Do you think Ohio State fans would rather keep their current co- their current schedule or play a schedule that had Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, and Auburn on it? I think they would rather play a tougher schedule, but but 
Ohio State is better than Texas. Like Ohio State can play that schedule and hold its own. Like Texas, I I get why Texas is doing this. I'm but the not question so is sure whether or not Tex- it if I were it's, Texas. It's not it's not Texas right now though, man. It's Texas in five years from now. Okay, so what are you hoping that Nick Saban decides? I mean, I guess yes, Nick Saban well, the guy's eighty years old. <laughs> I, mean, I, I guess know, if like you're I, trying to time it up perfectly so that Nick Saban's out by the time you go in, I suppose that makes sense. But like for the time being. Well, it's a long-term play. Texas is a program that can't win games that can't develop NFL players, and until that changes, like I don't, I'm not worried about them. <laughs> yeah, I think that on the field, it's kind of an interesting situation because Oklahoma isn't going to win their conference anymore, right? And Oklahoma, well, I guess Oklahoma played Georgia well in the Rose Bowl when they had Baker, but like they've also gotten on this playoff stage against these kind of teams and like gotten its ass kicked. So, like, what? They're, I mean, they're not going to win the SEC as long. They're not going to win the SEC. But it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's just money. They're just going. They're, they're going to make more money. So, like, I get it. But from a football standpoint, I think they're like on the field standpoint. I think they are worse off. They're going to lose more games and collect fewer rings by doing this. Before this all started, Bill, the conference expansion talk. This was a transformative summer in the sport. Yep. And I'm starting to wonder now, what is it going to look like in five years? And I think that would be interesting to an Ohio State fan. Like when all the dust settles and you have NIL, you have new recruiting rules, you have new conferences, Texas and Oklahoma are in the SEC, the playoff has expanded to 12 teams. I mean, that is a lot of change for one summer. And I'm trying to figure out what the final product of the sport is going to look like in 2026. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Like, what else? I mean, what else can I guess? We know what the SEC is going to look like now. I suppose by then the Big Ten could look fairly different. Could be the the coast to coast conference we're talking about. I think the ACC is largely the same. That fifth power conference, I think, looks very different. And I don't know. Like you said, it could be leftovers from the Pac-12 and the Big 12. It could be the ACC absorbing the best AAC, absorbing the best teams in the Big 12. Like, I don't know what that fifth one looks like. But even when all that dust settles, I still don't know how much that changes Ohio State's reality. I think not, I think not much at all. Other than the- they, they got to go play like USC now sometimes. The thing that I continually say on this podcast about recruiting is the only thing that prospects care about is being developed into an NFL caliber player and getting paid on the end. Mm -hmm. And as much as this stuff is important for the college football playoff show and talking crap on Reddit in September and all the things that come into play when you're a college football fan, I don't know how much that changes Ohio State's recruiting sales pitch. I think there's a, a little bit of a, a worry that if they're on a head-to-head battle with LSU, Texas, um, Alabama, and Florida State or something, that the sales pitches from the teams in the SEC is why would you want to go play up there when you can play in the best conference, play against other amazing players, um, iron sharpens iron, you know, the, the, you know, play yeah. the tough schedule, be on the best television network, have the most eyeballs, and get developed. And it's just like, I still don't know if Texas's um, affiliation with the SEC is going to change the history of their inability to, to develop players. Maybe it will. Maybe the more money means better coaches, better facilities, better recruiting outlook. I mean, the, the thing about money is, is that people don't care about it because it doesn't pertain to them. But at the same time, it is a transformative thing when it comes to building a program. Yeah, but it's also like. Texas had money. Like, Texas yeah. ain't hurting money. No, I know. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. And there's more. Like, I get it. There's more money. More money. You can buy more nice shit. I get it. Do you remember the inferiority complex that Ohio State fans had in, like, the mid-2000s to 2015 or 14 before they broke through and won it? Yeah. Like, they used to freak out about the SEC and the word is good and they're better than us or whatever. The, the, the posts online, it's like the fundamental fun of being a college football fan is to talk shit. Like that's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to be harder to do that. And the only thing that Ohio state fans are going to have is how they do against those other teams. Because for a while there, when Michigan had it running a little bit and Penn state was beating Ohio state and had it running a little bit, 
you could make the case that the Big Ten East was the best division in college football, and you could you could present that to an SEC argument, but that is going away. Yeah, the Big Ten is – I do feel the Big Ten is slipping a little bit. And, I, and if you are concerned about that, I think that's fair. And that was slipping before expansion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, I do think I do think Penn State's going to bounce back. Michigan, I have no idea. I don't I'm. I mean, they need – I think they need a new coach. Um, you know, and the, and the basement, I think, is getting better. Like, I think Rutgers and Maryland are going to get better. And um, Indiana, I think, is in a good spot too, so – We'll see. It's never going to be as good as the SEC, but I do think it can get back to the, the era you were talking about. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago, um, and I don't think that's unattainable for the Big Ten again. But even Do you if think adding Pac-12 teams would be good? Do I think adding Pac-12 teams would be good? Um, better road trips for you. Better road trips for sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think. I think so. I think it could be good for the yeah I, I I like I wonder about the logistics of it and like not that people particularly care about it but like with the Olympic sports and stuff it becomes really hard if your conference footprint is that big, um, and the Big Twelve I think experiences some of that already with like West Virginia being so far flung, um, but outside of that yeah like for the Big Ten football product I think it would be very good to add uh, teams like USC and Oregon and Washington and I guess a fourth I don't know who the fourth would be who would the fourth be Arizona State. I just don't know what the tie-ins are. The pac 12 scheduling has always been, and you know, I just know this cause I went to Arizona, but basketball team would go play road trips at Washington and Washington state in the same weekend. Cause mm-hmm. while they're up there, they're up there. Um, I don't know if you could take Arizona state and leave Arizona behind. Right. Or I don't know if you could take USC and leave UCLA behind or Washington, Washington state. I think they're interconnected to a certain degree. I don't know if that's contractually. I don't know if that's breakable, but I don't know what it is, but I don't think that the big 10, at least my understanding of it could take Washington, Oregon, USC and Arizona state. Yeah. That would have like, yeah. Like, I I don't don't know if they're connected to the other schools in their States. I don't know know either. They very well could be. Although that's part of the issue, like at play here with Texas and Oklahoma too, right? Like Oklahoma state, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 And they're they're not they're like just going, and I don't even know is like bedlam bedlam going to cease to exist. Oh, that's a great question. That would suck. I like bedlam. It's good rivalry. Yeah, it's going to get pretty ugly. I think politically, not that I care because I don't cover either team. So sorry to the people who do, but I think it is going to get pretty ugly politically in that way. Um, in both Texas and because, in Oklahoma, because I saw the the chancellor of Oklahoma State. Or the president went on a rat, like rattled off some tweets about how we're bitterly disappointed in Oklahoma and that we've always been in this together and they just acted out on their own, you know. And yeah. again, that's all logistical bullcrap on Twitter and the way people care in those parts of the country is going to be different than the rest of the sport. But I wonder if this is not just a transformation of the sport, but also a transformation of natural rivalries too, because you know that's a natural geographically based rivalry and that could die. And it's like, but on the other hand, Texas A&M and Texas are going to get to play again, right? which is great, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea of like a USC, Ohio state rivalry or Ohio state, Oregon rivalry, you know, USC and um, Ohio state, you like, you, there was, there was a time where they were playing like, yeah, the OJ every, days every year or like every other year. Yeah. And the Rose bowl in the seventies. Well, no, even so, in the regular season, they play quite a bit. When um, was that? You mean like I during think, non-conference I think, games? I think in the seventies. Yeah. Like oh, I don't know yeah. about the seventies. Yeah, I, I know that they they had a home and home uh, in the two thousands. Um, and Ohio State lost both of those games, and that was kind of when USC was still a power. But it's also like if USC is what I think USC is probably more so closer to what it is now than it was when they were under the Pete Carroll years. And I know that USC is a, a big brand in the sport, but if you're getting the eighty percent. 20% watered down version of USC. I don't find that particularly exciting. It's like you have to add these brands with the hopes of them being able to access or achieve um, results that borders on their peak or their, their ceiling. And it's like, I would buy Oregon over USC right now because of what Oregon's doing, but it's all cyclical. And I, and I said this on Andy's show and tell me if you agree with me, but if this is all about, you know, TV packages and revenue and stuff, I think that you could probably make the case that Oklahoma State has a more passionate fan base than USC. 
like I don't know how much how many eyeballs there are, but some of these middle tier yeah. teams in the Big Twelve, people more more people care about Oklahoma State than they care about USC. And maybe that changes when USC's badass and they have Reggie Bush and you know Pamela Anderson on their sideline. Like I don't know when USC is Hollywood cool, it's Hollywood cool. But just because a team has had traditional power uh, resume doesn't necessarily mean that their fan base doesn't bring the eyeballs that it would in other places. And LA is a very busy place with billboards about the new uh, X-Men movie coming out more than the USC movie or games. And, you know, Oregon is uh, a passionate team with a passionate fan base that has transcended the sport and broken through, but I don't know how many fans are riding deep in Eugene, Oregon, you know, And it's just like, even some of these traditional powers, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of being new to Dallas have been very, very, uh, surprised by how much SMU juice there is in the city. Like there's a lot of people that went to SMU. There's a lot of people who care. And it's just like, I feel like there's more SMU juice in Dallas than there, there was Arizona juice in Tucson. Yeah. You know, and and it's just like, we're talking about about five versus power five. Yeah, it's also about how much just football in general, I think, means to those places, how just ingrained it is to the fabric yeah. of those communities. And clearly, it's more ingrained in Texas than it is. It's probably, probably more ingrained in Stillwater, Oklahoma than it is in L.A. I think that's probably, I mean, I mean, L.A. has great high school football, better high school football than Oklahoma. Trending down, though. Trending down a little bit, yeah. But I think you're From probably From a pure right. numbers standpoint. Yeah. It'd be interesting to do like uh like Oklahoma State against Kansas State in an 8 p.m. slot compared to like USC versus Arizona State in an 8 p.m. slot. Which which game? Which I, I still probably think that it would probably be USC. I think it would be USC too. I think the brand. I think I think there are more Oklahoma State, more diehard Oklahoma State fans than there are USC fans. But I think the casual college football fan who's not a fan of either team would be much more likely to tune in to watch USC than they would Oklahoma State. But is that because there's this weird imagination of playoff implications that would involve USC that most of the time really aren't there, even though it seems like they are? Partly that. Like I watched USC that, games know, last year hoping, I don't know if hoping is the right word, but waiting to see if they would finish the season undefeated at 6-0 and because of this weird, grandiose thought that USC with the Trojan on their helmet is going to be in the playoff discussion, it's like they are no more in the playoff discussion most years than Oklahoma State is. In fact, I think you could say that Oklahoma State was more successful potentially than USC in the last seven years because they've had some really good teams. So. Yeah. yeah. So it's like – and that's USC the thing won, that you have to – USC won the, won the Pac-12 in 2017 though, right? Oklahoma State's not won the Big 12. Yeah. Oklahoma State's never won the Big 12 under their current coach. So um, they – it's just an interesting dynamic because back in the Rutgers expansion days, it was all about cable and television markets. It was all about trying to annex certain parts of the country that were heavily involved in um, high population areas. And there was this thought process that if you added Rutgers, you were going to add cable uh, connections to the Big Ten network all over the East Coast. And I'm sure that was you know moderately successful. But now in the current state of expansion this is all about getting brand names now that people can pick and choose what they buy and what they want to watch um that are there for the long haul that have staying power and i just don't know how much staying power some of these programs that are quote-unquote powerhouses do in comparison to some of these passionate middle tier teams that haven't been as successful on the field but still have a lot of people watching their games every weekend it's like when USC's lost three games, I think LA checks out completely. When Oklahoma State loses three games, I don't know how we got on USC Oklahoma State, but it's just an example of it's just like comparison, yeah, yeah, like I'm just trying to think of like middle tier Big Twelve teams. You know, maybe Texas Tech Which and is TCU are bad examples. Big 12. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Iowa State has a bigger, more passionate fan base than USC, probably. Yeah, is Iowa State an AAU school? I think so. That'd be fun to add. To the Big Ten, isn't that like the number one the number one thing right now? Uh, in terms of just natural selection, Iowa State to the Big Ten, 
it's funny because Iowa State is a better Big Ten program than like they they are epitomizing what being a Big Ten program should be. They they're recruiting are. They're, those areas. They're, they're Midwest. Yeah. They're yeah, they are doing it at a high level and they're doing it in a different conference. I think that they would be a great addition to the Big Ten, but it's just like, do you want to add another Michigan State? And like in a world where um we're talking about the sexiness of all this, because this is what that's what it's really all about, Bill. It's all about which conference is going to be sexiest and which brands can you add. There just aren't a lot of options left for Ohio State unless you think they're going to pillage another conference. And even then, I don't know that USC revs my engine. I'm going to run through these. So it's the Association of American Universities, and every school in the Big Ten is a member except for Nebraska, which got booted out like right after it joined the Big Ten. It's just like a research sharing thing just to explain to people? I believe that is the thing. It's like a sticking point for the Big Ten. It's like if you're not part of the Association of American Universities, they're not going to add you to the conference. Here are the public universities that are part of the AAU that are not currently in the Big Ten. Georgia Tech, uh, Stony Brook, Texas A&M. Bring Texas A&M to the Big Ten. Uh, University of Buffalo, Arizona, all the Cal campuses, Florida, Kansas, Missouri, UNC, Oregon, Pitt, Texas, Utah, Virginia, Washington, and then there's some more private ones too, but I don't think any of those would be real fits. University of Chicago, if they want to bring back football. Stony Brook? Stony Brook. Can further expand the Big Ten footprint into New York by putting a Big Ten program on Long Island? Utah's interesting. Yeah. Although Utah is the Michigan State of the Pac-12. <laughs> How many Michigan States can Ohio State add to their conference? It's like the Big Ten adds Iowa State and Utah. <laughs> Great that road one, trip. Yeah. Not, Salt Lake City's awesome. Yeah, I hear good things about Salt Lake City. I go to Salt Lake City. Not a lot of juice there, though. Not a lot of juice compared to Texas and Oklahoma. Maybe that's in the end, like, what's some of this... So I don't sense a lot of angst, but I sense a little bit of angst, and maybe that's where it comes from. It's like I think it's temporary angst because you lost. feel like you're being left out of the moment, but in reality, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, didn't, I think that's that's the, to put a bow on the conversation. I don't think it matters much at all to Ohio State, and the, any ramifications I think are recruiting based and they're minimal. Maybe it becomes a a a small bit more difficult. To recruit if you, in the state of Texas, but if I you add one less five-star prospect from Texas every year, how much of an impact is that? I mean, it makes an impact. Yeah, um, Ohio State still wins the Big Ten every year, or most years, still gets to the playoff every year. Most years, a little harder than win the national title, I suppose, but. And that's assuming that they can keep doing it every year, which is probably, regardless of conference expansion, not something to bet on. Yeah. Because it's just hard to do. Right. Anyway, go Bucks. It's like, yeah, this is a, this is a uh, Texas, te- Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma discussion more so than it is an Ohio State discussion. I agree. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see the Big Ten's next move. And I think you listening to this should be too. Because obviously do you think the Big Ten's going to go on the offensive, though, or do you think they're just kind of... Just see what happens. I think it's too late to go on the offensive, but I, I just don't. I don't think they can stand Pat. Um, but I don't know. They can just go. They can keep it in the Midwest and add like Iowa State and Kansas and Kansas State, which would suck. Um, or they can think bigger and go to go out west. And if I were them, I would think bigger and go out west because I think that's. I just more don't fun. know what adding more. Like I know Rutgers is improving. I know Maryland is supposedly improving. I just don't know what it does for the Big Ten to add more schools that don't bring juice. I think I think USC and Oregon bring juice. Yeah. I don't know how realistic that is. Neither do I. But I do think that there, there is the opportunity for juice if they wanted to take it. Not, not Texas-Oklahoma juice, but still juice. And USC and Oregon. If you add Iowa State, Kansas, and Kansas State, there's no juice. If you bring Washington, Oregon, and USC, there's 80% juice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be fun. Yeah. I don't know. It's just I don't like, know what they're going to do. It's just like you're like relabeling all the conferences with extra playoff spots and an expanded playoff, and then you're going to leave four conferences 
um, outside of the major two that don't have a, ch- a team that's good enough to win a national championship. And it's just going to be watered down bullshit conferences that don't have anything good in it versus the two super conferences that are, have all like 80% of the name brands in there. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know what this means for Florida state. I don't know what this means for Clemson. I don't know what it means for the ACC in general, but like when you think about it, Florida state and Clemson are the two best name brand schools that would be free agents at that point. Am I forgetting anybody? I don't think so. North Carolina, I think would be a nice fit for the big 10. The North North Carolina, if, if, if it were ever – the ACC screwed because their grant rates go through like 2036 or something. But if, if UNC ever got the opportunity, even though it is a private university, um, I think that's like a shoe-in for the Big Ten. The Big Ten would love that at UNC. But when Should the I run through settles, the private schools? Go ahead. Boston University. I'm just going to look at the ones that have, or, that have football. So uh, – Bunch of Ivy Leagues. Duke. Uh, no juice. I'm gonna. We'll do the Duke juice. Stanford. Test. Stanford is interesting. Yeah, Stanford is part of the discussion. I think the Wisconsin of the West. Um, no juice for football though. It's like a cultural football fit, I think, with the Big Ten. Just like their style of play historically, or at least under David Shaw. Dude, um, Stanford Northwestern. Rivalries going off the hook. That'd be great. Is UNC not on here? Oh, I was wrong. UNC is not a private school, but it is on here. I said it already. Yeah, I'd add Stanford. Stanford, Cal Berkeley. I think they add Cal Berkeley, probably have to add UCLA. I don't want UCLA. UCLA stinks. Talk about no juice. UCLA's got no juice. Yeah. Well, next week on uh, 4 to 6 with A&B, if there's more news to discuss, we'll try to dissect it. But I think the main takeaway here is that Ohio State's fine. You might not have as much fun on Reddit for the next few months, but when the dust settles and it starts to feel normal again, Ohio State's going to still have a chance to win a national title. Yeah, and I will say, if you were, if you were an Ohio State fan who was listening to this and thinks we're totally wrong and thinking that Ohio State's not fine and it doesn't matter to Ohio State, like – Tweet at us or shoot us an email, 4to6ab at gmail.com, because I, I, want, I want to hear from you because I am at the moment having a hard time wrapping my head around why Ohio State should care. If you are an Ohio State fan listening to this and you send a nice, long, well-reasoned email about it, we'll have you on the show. Yeah, we can do and that. We'll, and, and you can just explain it to us. We have that kind of power. We, <laughs> we are the masters of our ship. <laughs> We have the um, power to bring you on our own podcast. Well, the last time we brought a fan onto the show, he was awesome. He so was great. I yeah, mean, he's better than us. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, maybe help the ratings a little bit, but I do think that having a fan perspective in this specific case is probably the most unique time to do it. Yeah, I agree. And I'm sorry if I went over your head and just offered something that you're, you know, you're the host of the show here. So totally fine. Um, but I, I hope that that at least encourages people to try because I also am in that same boat. Yeah, 4to6ab at gmail.com. And quickly, uh, I misspoke earlier. Ohio State and USC played a bunch like in the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, like a lot. But um, in the 70s, it was, all, it was all Rose Bowl games and been mostly Rose Bowl games since then, aside from the home at home a couple of years ago. I just think there were a lot of Rose Bowls in the 70s. I think they played like three or four there times. There were a lot. Of, yeah, they the played uh, one, two, three, four times in a Rose Bowl in the 70s. Yeah. But they played like from yeah. 37 to 64, they played like a dozen times in regular season. Long Dude, ass train ride across the country. Were they running trains? Yeah. They would ride trains across the country to go to the game. Well, in the 30s, I think they did, yeah. I think eventually airplanes came along. But no, I know, uh, but I'm just like thinking like that's kind of a that's a commitment. Put the whole I remember uh yeah, they used to ride trains. There's like a a famous Ohio State Wisconsin game, I believe. It's called like the Bad Water game. And I think like the Ohio State players like took a train to I think it's Wisconsin, and like they all got like diarrhea or dysentery <laughs> from drinking oh. the water on the train ride there. I'd read a oral history about that. <laughs> yeah, all oral right. history of diarrhea and oral how it changed of, uh, the entire dynamic of the Wisconsin Ohio State rivalry. There you go. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Big Ten Media Days were were uh, last Thursday and Friday. Like some information, I don't. I, I always feel like I always go into that thinking like, oh yeah, we're going to learn stuff about the Buckeyes, and then I come out and it's like I didn't learn much about the Buckeyes. Um, I really, really missed being there with you this year. And before we get into the Ohio State stuff, I need to know every meal you had at Indy. Um, week it was week it was week. It was also the biggest letdown of the year. I think there's all this build up. And when I don't know if you get this, but whenever the company sends me somewhere and pays money to like for me to travel, I always feel this burden or this like pressure I put on myself to make sure that what I write is really good. Mm-hmm. And I try really, really hard to get something unique and different. And I always found that Big Ten Media Days was the hardest to do that at. It's really difficult. Because the access is limited. Everybody who covers football is in the same room with you. It's hard to get information that nobody else has. And like, if it wasn't for the Zach Smith stuff a few years ago, I can't remember the last time. I mean, Ohio State's had some news break. Like, Joey Bosa got suspended at Big Ten Media Day one year, and the Zach Smith stuff happened at Big Ten Media Day. But other than that, you go in with all these grandiose plans of here are the nine series that I'm going to do, and it's just, like, really, really hard to accumulate information there. It's more yeah. of a show than it is, I think, an information gatherer. It, I think that's right. Um the setup was weird too on the um, on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium, and like it was like we encouraged social distancing, and then they put all the podiums on top of each other. It's like what the what are we doing here? Um, but I thought I talked to Jeremy Rucker one on one for like ten minutes for a story I'm working on on like some of the stuff, some of the training stuff he was doing this summer um, that I thought was interesting. I don't worry about that, and sometime in the next couple of weeks, um, I got what I thought was some interesting stuff about um, offensive tackle recruiting, which we talked about a lot, and like the current state of it and whether it's going to change based off the NFL successes or draft status, I guess of guys like Thayer Munford and Nick Petit Frere and Paris Johnson. And I thought Ryan day was pretty good on that stuff. So I'm going to write about that eventually. I thought there was some like interesting imagery of the game, the, the big 10 media days being a Lucas oil stadium. Like that's where the national championship is this year. And like the trophy was there and it's like, are you guys going to get back here? And like Ryan day, like, didn't downplay it like like wasn't wasn't ducking the idea that like Alabama's a target they want to get back there they want to win the game but I also think there's like a very noticeable difference between how they are talking about that and like how they talked about wanting to get back and beat Clemson after the way they lost them in 2019 like it's just it just doesn't feel quite as urgent to me um, not to say that they don't like they still expect to win the title obviously I don't I don't want that to come off the wrong way but it was very apparent if they lost to Clemson to like everything they did every time they woke up that every waking minute was spent thinking about how they're going to get back there to beat Clemson. And I don't think they're operating that way in regards to Alabama right now, which I thought was a little interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, it did make for some good leads, I bet. Ryan Day stared off onto the field at Lucas Oil Stadium, just envisioning what his team can do if they once reach back this place. I, I'm surprised I didn't see any Jim Harbaugh finally made it to indie jokes. Maybe maybe I missed a few. Oh, yeah, there had to have been some. I didn't see any. He smiled. I saw Jim Harbaugh smile. I don't think I've seen that before. He wore a suit. He didn't dress like himself on the sidelines, which was good. Um, I did he wear a hat? He did not wear a hat. I heard he got very enthused about talking about Joey Chestnut eating hot dogs, but I wasn't there to see that firsthand. I'm a little disappointed in myself that I missed that. Um, yeah, Brett Bielma was there. Is think- Ohio State the Joey Chestnut of college football? Yes. And Michigan is the person that ate like nine hot dogs and threw yeah. up. Like, <laughs> threw up, threw up all over themselves. Yeah. I was watching. I was watching a show, and it was two years ago, the Fourth of July thing. And somebody up there managed to eat like 16. And I thought, like, why are you up there, dude? Yeah. Like, I, I could eat 16, I think. If you if you made – if I was on TV during a hot dog eating contest, I think I could manage 16 without any training whatsoever. The thing with me in the hot dog eating contest is, like, I wouldn't be able to eat them the way that Joey Chestnut does, like, where they, like, dip Speed. in water and stuff. Like, I just need – I need to eat the, the hot dog as the good Lord intended, like, on the bun – slow savor my meal you know what i mean so I don't it's know the how it's the it. time limit that is fascinating to me because you have to it's not so much how much you can eat it's how much you can stuff down your throat in a very what's it 10 minutes i think it's 10 minutes yeah if joey chestnut sat down at a dining room table and the other competitors did would he be able to eat the volume it seems like he's faster at eating but i don't know if he can eat the most i'm sure he can i get what you're saying but yeah. that's different. If you gave everybody unlimited time, would he win every competition too? Or is he also the best at eating the most in the fastest time? I don't know. Does he do that stuff that Kobayashi did where he drank a ton of water to stretch out his stomach? So I have no idea. There's like a training. I think somebody hit you in the stomach with a bunch of baseball bats. <laughs> like, you know, like it's like he went to Tony Per He, per- he was percocized. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm happy that Jim Harbaugh got excited about that. Yeah, so I guess like in terms of Ohio State, I, I who's the starting quarterback, Bill? Just tell us. Come on, we don't you, know. Ryan Day was like, "Yeah, I was waiting until I got the Indy to announce who the quarterback was, just for you guys." And then he clearly did not. Um, still the same stuff as before. Like two weeks into camp, he hopes to have a starter name. I did ask specifically. I said, and we talked about it before, and I couldn't remember if he was asked about it before or not because I have a ter- terrible, terrible memory. So I asked again. I said, CJ came in for Justin a couple times last year when he needed an emergency snap from a quarterback. Did he do anything last year to put himself in that position ahead of Jack? Is there anything to read into that? And Ryan Day's answer was no. So I don't believe him, but that's what he said. Um, Any so, Kyle McCord talk? No, no quarterback specifics. Like they won't talk. Somebody said to Ryan Day, like, You've been very guarded about talking about the quarterbacks uh, to the point where it feels like sometimes you don't even say their names, and it's like it's true. Like they don't, they do not say anything specific about any of these guys. It's just super frustrating. Um, and I understand, I get why, although I think it's dumb, but I don't know. I think we'll know. Do they have to? Two weeks. They, it's like they have to. Yeah. No, I know. I know. Like it's not dumb. It's what they have to do. Yeah, it's yeah. I get it. I get it. It's a it's a it's necessary. I, I don't like that it's necessary, but I get why it's necessary. It's necessary because of transfers. Yeah. Um. So Ryan Day said like two weeks. Camp starts August third, next Tuesday. Two weeks after that, maybe they'll know who the starter is. I still don't know. We'll know who the starter is. Um. And I don't think we'll get to talk to any quarterbacks until after they play a game. That that is my expectation. We didn't talk to anybody in the spring. I don't know why we get to talk to them during camp. Um. On the injury front, like Seven Banks, Court Williams, Cam Brown, Dallas Gant should all be good for the start of camp, which I think is interesting. Those are all important defensive players. Court Williams, I think, is the most interesting in that group. Um, Steel Chambers is doing linebacker and running back stuff. I don't anticipate he'll play very much at either position. Um, Pellier Naoteote is with the team, USC transfer linebacker, waiting to see if he's eligible via the NCAA. And I know there's been a lot of confusion about this. And it's like not – I thought initially it was like, why are they making this kid – have to get a waiver when everyone can transfer freely. Like this is not that Ryan day, like in not so many words was basically like he has to get eligible. And I think by that, he meant like academically um, just like kind of catch up on stuff to, to be able to play 
um, this season. But he is with with the team. He can do stuff, but he's not currently on scholarship. And as of right now, I don't think he'd be able to play. But they're hopeful that they can get some clarification from the NCAA on that in the next couple of weeks. Um, I think that's like the highlights. I, I don't know. Like I said, there wasn't a ton of information coming out of that. Um, and I don't think... Is Jeremy Ruckert the starting tight end? Jeremy Ruckert's the starting tight end. Um, I thought Zach, Har- Zach Harrison, Thayer Mumford, and Jeremy Ruckert were there. Like Zach Harrison has very much broken out of his shell, which if you spend any time around him during his recruitment is a fascinating transformation. I don't know what it means for him on the field. But it was noticeable. Like he was, he was dialed in, answering every question. Like was expanding on answers when he never did that before. He was the guy. You know, did the thing where like the player asked to coach the question during his press conference. Like Zach Harrison was the guy who did that. Um, again, I don't know what any of it means. I think Zach Harrison's going to have a good year, but I don't think because he's now willing to like joke and show some of his personality means he's going to have 15 sacks next year. He's got to get that bag, dude. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's like Zach. Why are you broken out of your shell? Tell us about how you've matured and why you've broken out of your shell. It's like, well, uh, if I talk, roosters will give me a grand. So, <laughs> which is like cool. Good with you. Kind of true. Good, good for you. Go get the bag. I'm not mad at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. I'll talk. You want to give me a grand? I'll talk. Okay. Yeah. So you want to do this thing Thanks. where we both talk about uh, what we're most excited about finding out in fall camp? Because here's the thing, dude. About yes. July. We come out of spring football with all the information that we get in spring football. And then July comes before fall camp starts. And it's like, we want answers to questions because it's been three months since we talked about it. But like, they haven't done anything. They've got individual workouts. They've got off-season workouts. But there's no organized football being, being coached by these coaches. So, like, what do people expect to learn? It's like you need fall camp to get to that point, I think. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, let's do, uh, let's do outside of quarterback. Camp starts August 3rd. About just a week from today, basically. Um, what's like front of mind for you? What's what's the non-quarterback thing you're kind of most interested in as camp gets underway here in a week? I'm trying really hard not to be boring about it. Yeah, well, it, the, the struggle with me is like <laughs> my best answer is not the offensive line, but I do that. I know that's not that that's the sexiest thing in the world. Well, I, I my mind was too. Like my non, like listen. My thing that I'm excited to see the most outside of who the quarterback is going to be is how good Trevion Henderson is and how quickly he becomes really good. But that is just like we spent 30 minutes talking about that on podcast two weeks ago. So like my thing, and I don't know if this is even important because their offensive line is so freaking good, but I want to know and see how good Donovan Jackson is. I, like yeah, that, I'm yeah. like obsessed with that guy. So am I. Um, and he was, he got... Pretty good praise from Ryan Day and Thayer Munford. Now he is not. He got here in June. All he's done is like some workout stuff. But like he's clearly caught the attention of some people. And I think, I think he could play this year if they needed him to, and if he won that job. But I just don't know. Like there was Ryan Day had some good things to say about Matthew Jones. Now he did acknowledge that Matthew Jones is like inconsistent, and that's like his biggest issue. So if Matthew Jones has a bad week in camp, I don't know. Like. Harry Miller is a center, and Donovan Jackson could be a guard. Like Luke Whippler is there, Enoch Mamahi is there. There are a lot of guys there. I don't know if any of them are as talented, just like raw talented as Donovan Jackson is. But obviously, being older and more developed matters. But I'm like quasi on alert for it, as we said last week. I'm, I'm like a little on alert for Donovan Jackson potentially making a move as a true freshman to to contend for a starting job on the offensive line because there's an opening. Okay, another one. I'm just gonna let's just, just do the speed round here. Yeah, Teron Vincent. What are, what are we getting out of this guy? Yes, that's a good one. He's healthy. I thought he he seemed to have a good spring. Spring game's tough for defensive linemen, but he came out of it healthy, which I think is the thing that matters the most. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he's because he has the kind of upside. At least I would assume he does as a five star prospect, where he can like kind of elevate the ceiling of the defense i think in a pretty significant way if he's just a total monster up front now that he's finally healthy and able to play every game so he's a good one he's a good guy to keep an eye on um is I ronnie hickman going to be an awesome bullet how they deploy like because their defensive backs in general. Hick- well that in general obviously like all those second year defensive backs like where where are they are they are they actually contending for starting spots but i think how they deploy Ronnie Hickman and Craig Young in particular is interesting because they're both bullets, but they're both very – I think they're very different players. Um, 
Craig Young, more of a linebacker. Ronnie Hickman, I think, more of a safety. Um, and Court Williams, I think, is some combination of both of them, although Ryan Day said that Court Williams is playing safety. He's not playing bullet or whatever you want to call that position. But, yeah, Hickman and Craig Young are, are fascinating. I think, in the end, maybe they'll rotate and it'll be, like, situational stuff. But someone's got to go out there first. Who goes out there first? Like, what, which, which direction do they lean more to, toward with those is, two guys? And then the other guy, the other two is, like, Ryan Watson, Legend Gavazos, are these is J.K. Johnson like? Are any of these young defensive backs going to play and be really good? Yeah, because like Cam Brown, as I said, is healthy, but he's also coming off an Achilles. Like it's yeah, it's not an easy injury to come off of. Although recent history at Ohio State tells you that it's easier than maybe you'd anticipate. Um, but Tough if he's Roland the, recovered from it in like three weeks, so if he's if he, if Cam Brown is like the slightest bit slowed down still as he comes back from that injury. Ken Ryan Watts, Ken Legend Cavazos, J.K. Johnson, Jordan Hancock, Denzel Burke. I'm, I might be forgetting somebody. Like, can one of those guys like emerge to be the number two corner? But, Did you say Cam uh, Martinez? Cam Cam Martinez, I think, is more of a safety right now. Like, I think Cam Martinez would be more with like Lathan Ransom and Marcus Williamson. But I get we could I could have that totally wrong when we get out there and see him on on the first day of campus. I'm, I'm hopefully will that. I mean, my understanding of Cam Martinez is that he can play defensive tackle. He can play quarterback, safety, corner, linebacker, and running back. Do I he can do right? all those things. Speaking yeah. of Swiss Army Knife players, Demario McCall is now number one. Is that like an implication that he's like – there's no implication in Ohio State with that number, right? No. Like, obviously Braxton switched that when he played receiver. Johnny Dixon wore it. Fields wore it. Like Okuda. there's no Okuda wore it. Um, no, I don't think there's a. I think it's interesting. I always wonder, like, it's not like at Michigan where you were number one. You're awesome. Like Demario has been around forever. I feel like he's been kind of a knucklehead at times. He doesn't get on the field hardly ever. Like, what do they think of him? And then like they give him number one. He also leaked footage of Ryan Day dropping an f bomb in the locker room. Yeah, which was like thanks, Demario. I appreciated that. Um, so I don't know. He's also listed as a receiver. I think that's like the Ryan Day was saying, like, "Oh, we're short at receiver," like because <laughs> because they only have seven former uh, five star prospects and not eight like they used to. So I think, dude, I DeMario just feel like Demario McCall should have just transferred to Kent State and just gone in that offense. My dream was Demario McCall catching eighty passes from Dustin Crum this year, and it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. It just like it seemed like it would have been best for his career. Maybe he just loves Columbus. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm surprised he's still here for sure. I think a lot of people are surprised he's still here, um, but he is, and he's listed a receiver, and he's listed at number one. So I'm going to go ahead and just pencil him in for 40 catches this year. Yeah, I think that's. It'd be amazing if he just like came out and just was the best receiver on the team. Yeah, right. Like they go it's out, like, out of nowhere, just turns it's, into Braylon Edwards. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Chris Olave and Demario McCall, the starters of receiver against Minnesota. Yeah. Okay, I got a few more, and then we can wrap it up. All right. Hit me. How far can Jesse Merkel punt it? Great question, because he did not punt it very far in the spring game. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then last one, more seriously, I guess Jack Sawyer is his own his own animal there, but I want to know if Tyreek Smith is prime, uh, is positioned to be an all-Big Ten first-team player. Yeah. Another guy, I think, in a similar position to Teron Vincent, who's battled some injury stuff. I think Teron's injuries have been a little more severe and prohibitive, but... I think Tyreek has been held back a little bit by injury stuff. Again, like there's, there's, if you like created a list of guys who sort of like had the most buzz and like had the most nice things said about them in the last few months, Tyreek is pretty high up on that list. Um, I don't know what it means, but I'm very interested to see. Like, I, I, and I think, I don't know what the ceiling is for a guy like him. Like, I don't think the ceiling for Tyreek Smith is like a Bosa or a Chase Young, but I think the ceiling for him could be like Tyquan Lewis. Tyquan Lewis was the Big Ten defensive lineman of the year. Yeah. He was a really pretty high ceiling. Yeah, it's a, it's a high, that is a pretty high ceiling. You don't so. have to be Joey Bosa to be good. And I think no. that's kind of the, the expectation, rightfully or wrongfully, I don't know how you'd want to put it, but the expectation is that Jack Sawyer is going to be Joey Bosa or Chase Young, and they've had a lot of guys like that that can completely change a team, but you can be a really productive player in an NFL draft pick by being Tyquan Lewis. Yeah, for sure. That'd be, I mean, if he if he was that, that'd be great for Ohio State. I think if 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 he is that, they're in a much better position than they were last year with right. their pass rush. 
which I think was okay, but not great last year. It'll just be. I'm just ready for some information to get trickled down for sure. Some new information because yeah. like we've we've litigated this over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I know that we're right around the corner, and it's important to discuss it. But it just kind of like until they get on the field and start practicing, there's really not much to add. There's no Nevada buck nugget here. Like it just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just they don't just fall out of the sky. You got to practice. So right. Uh, right. You know. I, uh, you know, I think we should wrap it up there. Yeah, yeah, let's wrap it up there. Uh, so camp opens on August third. Uh, we'll, I'm gonna get out of town here for a couple of days. Going to Chicago for the National Car Show. Gonna gonna find a nice hit up there for myself. Maybe Landis has created a new addiction for me, and I appreciate you and for himself. that. Landis, he's created a new addiction. I'm, for, uh, I'm I've for been himself. going to Walmart at eight thirty, just clearing shelves out. Yeah. Buying top loaders, selling stuff on eBay, trying to collect. I got some pretty sweet cards. Uh, it's fun. I feel like a child again. And That's like great. I'm having a daughter in the next few months. And, you know, part of the, the thing that I was hoping for with the son was that I could have him as a built in excuse to buy all this stuff because it's just be like, hey, we're collecting cards as a family, you know? And like now it's just me being a loser 35 year old man who's, who's doing this. <laughs> Sorry for offending you because. That's <laughs> no, okay. I'm a loser. I'm a loser 32 year old man. That's fine. I don't, I'm 34. I, don't, I added I a year for. I don't run from that. It's okay. Um, so no, you know what I mean. Though, just I'll like start it, sending her. I'll start sending her soccer cards. Yeah, go ahead. You know, maybe she'll be this huge. Uh, yeah, it's not that she went. Like, I think we're going to be buying her dolls and stuff. But if she turns out to love sports more than more than dolls, then that'd be good. I think you have something from us coming in the mail for the baby. That's oh, you do. Thanks, yeah. bud. Yeah. That's the thing that I've been joking about with Britt since she's got pregnant. It's like I am a sports writer who's obsessed with college football and all sorts of fantasy things, and I like sports to the T, right? Obviously, I've dedicated my life to it. And she is the girliest girl in the history of girls. Like, if she gets lost in an Nordstrom, it's a problem for me. <laughs> and by getting lost in a Nordstrom, I mean she lives there. And she likes makeup and makeup tutorials and all the things that every – you would expect from a girl who's being a girly girl. And it's just like, what is our daughter going to turn out to be? It's going to be very fun to watch. I'm excited. It's to like watch also our, yeah. our personalities are very different too. Yeah. So yeah. Who's just gonna, like, who's, I mean, I have a, uh, I, I have a feeling who's going to win out there. You do. Uh, yeah. You think my daughter is going to have my personality? I hope she does. It'd be fun. <laughs> I don't want my dad's <laughs> personality push, instilled into my sweet little three-year-old girl. Yeah. That's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I don't. I don't want my girl to want to know which area rest stops we're going to hit for food on a road trip. And I, I want. Her, I, I want another Bob Wasserman in this world. <laughs> I, I want my daughter to ask when we're working out. I want your daughter to tell me to keep the pizza in the back seat when I'm driving home in case I get when, an itch. When Britt and I go on vacation, I Google best pizza places, and she goes near a cycle bar to the hotel. <laughs> 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 truly there are two americas okay all right we'll wrap up there uh ohio state opens camp on august 3rd we'll wait until after the first day of camp i think we'll do it in our next episode hopefully we'll be good to go watch some of it and then talk to ryan day afterwards and then we'll have some more information to give you on four to six of the so until then thanks for listening